Did you hear Hillbilly Horror Stories is doing an episode all about UFOs and aliens? They'll probably stop in two weeks. You're probably right. You are listening to HHS UF Only, a Hillbilly Horror Stories bonus episode. Hey guys, welcome to episode 26 of UF Only. Hey guys. I think this may be the first real episode we've done in two weeks where we are feeling pretty decent. Yeah, true story. So, I found what I think is a pretty cool story to do for this episode. So, I say we just jump right in it. All right, let's do it. So, we're going to go to November 23rd, 1953. It was a stormy night. It was a night that an Air Force jet mysteriously disappeared over Lake Superior. And near the U.S.-Canadian border, U.S. Air Defense Command noticed that there was a blip on a radar where there shouldn't have been. An unidentified object in restricted airspace over Lake Superior, not far from, and I think this is pronounced, Sioux Locks, the Great Lakes' most vital commercial gateway. So there was an F-89C Scorpion jet from Truro Air Force Base in Madison, Wisconsin. It took off from nearby Kinross Air Force Base to investigate. With two crew members on board, First Lieutenant Felix Moncia, who had clocked 811 flying hours, so a lot of experience, including 121 in a very similar aircraft, took the pilot seat while Second Lieutenant Robert Wilson was observing the radar. So you got that where we at. The men would not return from their intercept mission. Ever? Ever. Oh my gosh. So what's going to follow here, according to Donald Kehoe, who was the former Marine Corps uh, naval aviator and UFO researcher, he wrote about this incident in a, in a 1955 book called The Flying Saucer Conspiracy. And he said it was one of the strangest records or cases on records, I should say. So here's what he says. Once that plane was airborne with the two gentlemen in it, Lieutenant Wilson had difficulty tracking the unknown object, which was because it kept changing courses. So with ground control actually directing the aviators over the radio, the Scorpion jet gave chase. The jet was traveling at 500 miles an hour, and it pursued the object for 30 minutes, gradually closing in. That's a long time, mm-hmm. especially at 500 miles an hour. Yes. On the ground, the radar operators guided the jet from 25,000 feet down to 7,000 feet. They watched the one blip chase across the radar screen. Gradually, the jet caught up to the unknown object about 70 miles off of uh I know I've mispronounced this before in the past, Keweenaw Point in Upper Michigan. Now, at an altitude of 8,000 feet, approximately 160 miles northwest of Sioux Locks. At that point, the two radar blips converged into one and locked together on the radar screen. As Kehoe would put it later, and then according to an official accident report, the radar returned from the F-89 and it simply disappeared from the ground-controlled interception radar scope. 
So they were stuck together like two dogs? I like how that's where your mind went. I did. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they grabbed a bucket of water and threw it on the radar screen. Oh, that's gross. Then, the first radar return, indicating that the unidentified object veered off and vanished also. So huh. both of them now are gone. The United States Air Force, United States Coast Guard, and the Canadian Air Force conducted an extensive search and rescue effort, but no wreckage or sign of the pylons was ever found. That is, that is insane that both of them just disappeared like that. Now, the Air Force's official news release about this disappearance delivered to the AP stated that the vanished jet was followed by radar until it merged with an object 70 miles off of Kenawa Point in Upper Michigan. The statement appeared in a story of the um, Chicago Tribune with this headline, Jet to aboard vanishes over Lake Superior. The Air Force soon retracted the statement, and they changed the story. Now, according to the new statement, the ground control radar operator had misread the scope. In fact, the F-89 jet had successfully completed the mission, intercepting and identifying the UFO as a Dakota, which was a Royal Canadian Air Force C-47 aircraft that was flying some 30 miles off course. Lieutenant Moncia probably stricken with vertigo, crashed into the lake during the return to base. Canadian officials refluted the account. No flights had taken place in that area that night, according to Oh, come to on. Well, but see, that's what they're saying. The, the, the Air Force was trying to say it was a Canadian flight, but Canada was like, uh, no, it wasn't, but we didn't have any flights in the air that night mm-hmm. in that area. So according to Kehoe, he would later write about the Kinross accident again in his 1973 book, Aliens from Space. He said two separate Air Force representatives provided Lieutenant Moncia's widow with contradictory explanations of the incident. In one version of the events, the pilot had crashed into the lake while flying too low. In the other, the jet exploded at a high altitude. So she got two completely different stories as to what happened to her husband on board that flight. Yeah, that's terrible. Donald Kehoe would go on to say that he claims the Air Force has secret motion pictures of the apparitions proven that they are interplanetary craft. The case file from Project Blue Book, the Air Force's, of course, uh, investigation team, reiterated that the Air Force assertion that the jet successfully accomplished its mission and that the crash was an accident, probably caused by an attack of vertigo. It attributed the abnormal radar behavior to unusual atmospheric conditions and deemed that the inability to recover wreckage was understandable given how deep the water is of the ocean and mm-hmm. the, the area. Meanwhile, investigators from the National Investigations Committee in Aerial Phenomenon discovered that any mention of the mission had been expunged from official records mm-hmm. and that the Aerospace Tec- Technical Intelligence Center's official line on the case was, there is no record in the Air Force files citing uh, at the Kinross Air Force Base on the 23rd of November 1953. There is no case in the files which even closely parallels these circumstances. Dude. Blatant. (laughs) Right. So in the absence of a thorough and satisfying official explanation, civilian saucer groups such as Project Blue Book would call them 
uh, developed their own theories. And according to one, the jet had crashed into the UFO, like a protective beam that the UFO had. It protected, it crashed into that beam and it was like a concrete wall. Like it just bounced off of it. Yes. Others speculate that the jet may have been scooped out of the air and taken aboard the bigger spacecraft. Perhaps so the captured men could teach their alien captors the English language. Who knows? That's speculation. We start looking at the 1950s. I mm-hmm. what I say. Mm-hmm. In 1968, there were local newspaper reports of jet fragments discovered near the shore of Lake Superior, but that find was never actually verified. And in 2006, Adam Jimenez, claiming to be a representative of the Great Lakes, Great Lakes Dive Company, corresponded with UFO bloggers and members of the UFO community. He claimed that not only had an airplane wreck been discovered in the area, but a metallic object resembling a chunk of flying saucer had also been found. UFO researchers soon exposed inaccuracies in his story, though, and concluded that the Great Lakes Dive Company did not exist, and eventually Adam Jimenez, too, vanished without a trace. (gasps) Oh, whoa. So, I don't think it meant that he just, like, disappeared off the face of the earth. I think it probably meant he got caught lying and just decided to lay low. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Anyways, that's the story for this week. That's I thought that was a very interesting story. It was. So, anyways, once again, you can't prove most of this stuff, and you can't believe that your government's not hiding stuff. So, uh, absolutely. I like how the United States says, "Oh yeah, this was, was this plane from Canada." And Canada's like, "Um, no, it wasn't." Keep yeah. Our, keep our mouth. Keep our. Keep us out of it. Yeah. yeah. Keep Canada out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> keep out your pie hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. It's good to be back. Sorry we missed last week. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. We love you.